Hello and welcome to Check It Out with EVPL. A podcast brought to you by your local library. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Lori. And today we are here with... Keisha. Trista. Hi. Hey, welcome both of you. So where do you guys, where have you guys journeyed from to get here? I have journeyed from North Park. And I'm right here at Central. Okay. So horror movies, what's up with that? (laughs) So um, yeah, our topic... Uh, today is uh, horror movies. Now, this is a follow-up to our last episode, which is not aired yet, but it's going to be focusing more on gothic horror. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this one, we're going to be focusing more on the thrilling, uh, terror-filled, sometimes goopy, like <laughs> modern or uh, classic modern horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big horror fan, and I think most of our listeners know you are as well. So. What are your opinions on horror movies, our guests? I have an unhealthy obsession with horror films. I live and breathe it. No such <laughs> thing as unhealthy there, yeah. Unless you start trying to act them out. Uh, oh, yeah. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Keisha and I actually met at onboarding through EVPL, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the first things that we discovered was our mutual love of horror movies, um, and that's how our friendship has spawned, and now yes. we spend a lot of weekends uh, watching horror movies. So. That's awesome. Awesome, yeah. So what are your favorite horror movies, then? Ooh, that's a doozy of a question. I would say Phenomena. Um, 19, I think, 85, 86, by Dario Argento. I'm a big Italian horror fan, but also the classic Halloween is also up there. Uh, previous to Scream 5, I would have told you the whole Scream franchise. <laughs> However, I will retract that now. Um, I, I For sentimental reasons, I think I have to say Nightmare on Elm Street. I just, I'm just such a creative fan, but, um... I recently watched one called A Dark Song uh, that is probably pretty top tier of my favorites. Uh, and uh, it's from like 2017, so it's a little bit older, but it was my first time watching it. And it was one of the only ones I watched back to back times. So I love it. Nice. And so for a while there, you guys were running uh, what was known as the Fright Club. So you want to kind of tell us a little bit about that? So what was your original conception of it? And you know, what movies you watched. Yeah, we had two Fright Clubs, one for adults and one for teens. For adults, we have done a various amount of programs. So we did, back in, what was it, March, we did a Women of Horror Trivia Night at the Knickknackery, actually. And that was pretty great. And Trista actually did Blood um, making yeah how to make your own fake blood that was our last one in august for the adults so mm-hmm. we've done some book discussions we've done some um film viewings we did a horror game night so we just kind of try to cover all of the bases and really just figured out how to work in something we love into work that's really what we were doing so. <laughs> you said the key word i'm triggered what horror games do you guys like check into <laughs> we had um ooh, Two vintage 1990s Goosebumps games. One was the, oh, the... Was it One Night in the Graveyard? Yeah, and the blanking on the... Horrorland? Horrorland. There we go. Yeah. Available at North Park. (laughs) 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 And Trista brought uh, 
Godzilla Jenga, and there was you brought a trivia one. Uh, Trivial Pursuit Horror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a game named Gloom. That's not quite a horror game, but it's more of like an like an Adams Family type game where basically you have a family and then your opponent has a family and your goal is to make their family as happy as possible and your family as miserable as possible. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that's, yeah. I want to check that out. We have um, the horrified board game where you have to uh, fight like all the different like classic uh, universal monsters. And we also have, um, this was from a Kickstarter a while ago, ago, a trivia game called Slash Cards. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's pretty good. So what's your favorite horror movie then? Mm. Let me pull out my <laughs> very comically long list. So I got a whole letterboxed account here that I can... <laughs> for, for the listeners, just know that we all have these phones or these lists ready at any given time. Well, yeah. We all have our phones out with our list that keeps growing. Yes, we don't. Yeah, this was not created for no. this podcast. Because <laughs> um, I, I split up my list like hidden gems, things I still need to watch, uh, favorite repeated, favorite slash repeated viewings. Um, man, like nothing beats like a good old Chucky marathon for me. Um, and then, uh, since it is October, one of my favorite fall horror movies to watch is the original Blair Witch Project. Yes. It's a great yes. movie. It's a great one. Classic. Have you seen the Chucky TV show? I've Yes, I've seen the first season. Did you like it? I loved it. Same. I'm, I'm I pumped it, for the... It, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't get to finish it, but did you see the Exorcist TV show? Yes. I did not, but I, I heard good things. I that existed, mm -hmm. yeah. I loved the first season, but then I fell off. Mm. Was it good? I, the, so, uh, season two takes on still following the priests, but different family. Okay. And I thought it was cool. I'm a big fan of John Cho and mm -hmm. he was in it. So I just was okay. super excited about that. So it's like an anthology then kind of. Kind of, but following still the mission of the main priest from season one, but it, I think ties in well enough mm -hmm. with season one and then it kind of ties back i think it's been a while since i've seen it but i think it kind of ties back into the first season a little bit mm -hmm. so um that kind of leads me to another good question to get us to this next segment so um that is kind of not really like a remake but it's, it's kind of a continuation but also at the same time reimagining of like the the source material so this is the roughest transition in the history of transitions, but <laughs> what has been your favorite horror remake? Oh, hmm. remake or reboot? Either or. Okay. Just don't call it a requel, please. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think on that. Okay. One that I can say is I was never a huge fan of the original Wrong Turn movies. They mm -hmm. weren't terrible, but they weren't mm -hmm. great. But the newest one that came out really surprised me. I really enjoyed that one. Um, what's the subtitle on that one? There okay. isn't one. It's just Wrong Turn 2021. Thought, oh, no, that's right. Because that was because originally it was developed as a different mm -hmm. thing. And then they tied it in. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking I'm getting my back. Yeah, kind of like 10 Cloverfield Lane where it was originally yeah. its own film. And then they were like, wait a second, that franchise money. Oh, that's right. It was originally called The Foundation. That's mm -hmm. Honestly, right off the bat, I think I'm going to have to go with The Hills Have Eyes, maybe. I really 
liked the first one. And I really liked The Ring. I'm a big Asian horror fan, but I will get into that later. <laughs> but I would say I think those did a pretty good job at keeping the original respected. What about you, Trissa? I would say I loved the House on Haunted Hill, the remake of that. I know that's maybe a hot take, but um, <laughs> I uh, I think Ron Tomatoes agrees with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, that's okay, though. I rarely agree with him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, that was, I, I love that show too. Um, I would say for me, um, and I'm, I'm a little partial because this was like one of the first horror movies I saw in theaters with my friends, but, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from oh, 2000. Yeah. Now, I, I guess I have to specify 2003. Yes. Um, is that the one with Jessica Biel? Yes. This is I, on my list. It literally says Texas Chainsaw Jessica Biel version. <laughs> That's a good one. I was going to say that too, actually. I've recently gone through a rewatch of all of those. Mm -hmm. Skipped the Matthew McConaughey one, but... (laughs) That's now like one of the prime examples of how not to act. (laughs) Now, another example is um, the new, well, new-ish, Suspiria was really good. Mm -hmm. Not that it's better than the original, but it was good. I enjoyed that one. I feel like the the original and the remake... um, complement each other because mm-hmm. um, you, you do get like different it's definitely a different take and different story mm-hmm. but there's like bits of crossover in like the themes and like some things are going for i loved both of them too mm-hmm. we were talking before the mics were on about rob zombie um and i don't know if you would consider his halloween a remake per se but i loved it i loved the backstory that he did with that um and michael's story so it's one of my favorites one of my favorites of his, honestly. So. Um, I actually listened to a podcast. They were they were going through all the Halloween movies, and they were kind of making fun of Rob Zombies because, like, they're like, "Oh, there's all these like hillbillies that cuss, like someone living in <laughs> Illinois." It's like, "Sir, have you been to Illinois?" <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The second one we could have done without, but I thought the first one was pretty good. Yeah. So. So I guess I have a question for all of you guys. What do you think is the worst reboot or remake? <sighs> Can I yeah. say Scream 5 again? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pull my letterbox to count back up and have, sort by least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a hard time with that because like, I love horror movies so much and bring me so much joy. Now you're forcing me to think about the negatives yeah. about it. Um, I like to be well-rounded. <laughs> She's critical. Don't, don't I am very you. <laughs> What's I, your answer? Oh, the David Gordon Green Halloweens. Oh, <laughs> uh, hard disagree there, but I see why people <laughs> wouldn't enjoy those. I just, I don't recognize Michael anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, The Nightmare on Elm Street remake oh oh yes yes. that that is a good one and it's it's a bit devastating because like with everyone involved including the lead actor it's just kind of like all these individual ingredients are good but you mix it together and you get this like crappy stew as soon as they robert england was not on board it was it was over it was never going to be good so yeah and i'm okay with like you know if they want for a a character like that who's been so many different things played this well has grown in um in different ways but i'm always about like 
trying to find new angles on like you know older characters but uh yeah they when that first trailer dropped and he sounded like Rorschach Rorschach I was like oh no like <laughs> now I would say so looking into this the worst film in my opinion is actually the original and not the remake which is going to be I'm sure super popular among listeners um I hated the original 1971 Straw Dogs with Dustin Hoffman in it. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. It is so uncomfortable to watch. Mm. He's so misogynistic and mm. sexist. It is. It made me want to crawl out of my skin when I was watching it. Um, so I would say probably that one because the newer one with Alexander Skarsgård in it is still like the characters are still very misogynistic, but it doesn't seem to revel in that as much. Wasn't it James Marston in that? Mm-hmm. I believe okay. so, yeah. I, I just remember Skarsgård because True Blood was on at the time. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on Nev Campbell not being in Scream 6? Pay her. <laughs> pay, pay her. Yeah, pay yeah. her. <laughs> so, um... Oh, the new craft was terrible. I Yeah, I avoided that. I disagree. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. <laughs> it was not the original by any means, but I I did appreciate um, the inclusion in in the cast in that. Mm-hmm. I, I think oh, I, yeah. that in and of itself sold it for me. I'm an easy sell on horror a lot of times, so I don't. I just appreciate it. So I can be. I do enjoy a good like esoteric, mm-hmm. you know, philosophical horror movie. But I also enjoy just. Okay, I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite horror movies is Slumber Party Massacre. The original? Yes. I am obsessed. <laughs> she loves that. <laughs> Did you know Rita Mae Brown wrote the script for that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that she had, but I knew it was written by a woman. Yes. Because when I first watched it, I had to like check myself like, wait a minute, am I just playing into this, you know, like stereotype I don't like? So I had to look into it and know it was written by a woman. Which is fascinating when you think about the fact that it was a Roger Corman production mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. Lots of, we feel like there would be a lot of butting heads on that, but I think it was kind of behind the scenes like went swim well not swimmingly but like as smoothly as you could for a production like that mm-hmm. let's see anyone any other uh, horror movies you guys want to like unleash your like unbridled hatred upon well, i'll ask what is the last one that you watched that was new to you <laughs> clearly didn't leave that much of a mark on me if i can't remember <laughs> The last one, I don't know if you would count this as horror or thriller. Um, the last one that I watched was Cape Fear. Mm. Mm. I love with that De Niro. Because yep. I watched love the original it. and then yes. turned around and watched the De Niro version. Yeah. And I got to say, I prefer the De Niro version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yep. Um, we rewatched The Strangers like mm. a couple nights ago. That's on my favorites list. Yeah. Yes. That's like yeah. one of those weird comfort yes. food mm, horror movies. It's one like it's like scream to me, and like the, it's irreplaceable in the first time that you watch it, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't. It's not expected, and I think that's something to be said for that. So I usually like to gravitate more towards horror films that feel like it could happen to me, because mm-hmm. I love torturing myself, I suppose, mm-hmm. but I love being scared <laughs> in my daily life. Yes. I'm like, oh, suspect everyone, lock yes. those doors. <laughs> um. 
the, okay, so the last one I remember is the Mortuary Collection. Ooh, that's on my so, list to watch. It's it's interesting. I like some of the like it, it definitely takes uh, operates in the vein of uh, like uh, Tales from the Crypt, mm. where it's a lot of like yes. comeuppance, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. horror stories. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt is a is one of my all time favorite yes. yeah. favorite things. Keisha and I actually just went and watched Pearl this yes, past weekend. So I guess that's... to answer your question, that was the last new to me. Same. So. Yep. And how was it? Ah. I I really liked it. It's vastly different from X, which I appreciated. And I think Ty West does such a phenomenal job at capturing just different decades and different eras. This one was set in 1918, but it He's Technicolor film, and it felt very bizarre to watch because it was kind of bright and happy, but also very disturbing, and it kind of felt like when you watch, like, The Wizard of Oz, which he makes references to, and you feel that fun feeling, but then it's like, wait, this is disturbing. (laughs) So uh, I really liked it. So would you say it gave you kind of not the same energy, but the same like creeped feeling as like Midsommar? It was even perkier than that. It was in no spoilers, of course, but Pearl's character is just very weirdly innocent, but not at the same time. And she daydreams a lot, so you you feel that in this film. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like with Midsummer, you even if it's in the daytime, you feel that dread. Yeah, and you don't get that at all okay. until later in the mm-hmm. film. Yeah, I feel like Midsummer has like a heaviness to it. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, the opening scene is mm-hmm. just traumatic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like everything from there on out is going to be rough. But yeah, I definitely feel like it's like a weighted blanket almost when you're mm-hmm. watching it. The score to Pearl, you would never know that it is a horror film if you just listen to the score because it keeps with that very bright nature. There is very little eeriness to it, which I find really interesting. And Mia Goth, mm-hmm. give her an award because she <laughs> is amazing in, in, in these roles. And I don't think Pearl would have been what it was without her. Oh, and so, agreed. You know, you know, horror movies are just regular Oscar bait. So yeah, well, yeah exactly. I'm well, giving her an award. Uh, yeah, well, we all should. Call um, me Mia. No, I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. I did watch X. So in Pearl, um, like you mentioned, the music. Like, is there the? Is there like? Do you hear this like upbeat, lively music while like horrible things are happening on screen? Because that makes me super excited. If that's what's happening. <laughs> It's throughout the whole film for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I love those contrasts like you get in horror movies sometimes. I think Promising Young Woman did it really well. Yes, that's great. I still haven't seen that. Great. Oh my gosh. So good. To your list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. Um, But um, I will say, um, Ty West. I have not seen all of his movies, but every single one I've seen, I'm always blown away by um especially like my favorite one and probably like one of my top 10 uh the house of the devil oh that's i i'm gonna add that to my list of favorites because the first time i watched that i was blown away and equally disturbed yes i just love that he uses film as well oh yeah yeah and i wish more directors would do that because it just Mm -hmm. looks so much better to me Mm mm-hmm 
So another movie that I watched recently um, that was new to me was called Hilarious. Uh, and it is an anthology film of shorts. Um, my favorite one starts. It's called Killer Cart. And it is about a killer shopping cart that tracks on people that don't put them back in their <laughs> their lines. Wow. That is good. Yeah, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad somebody did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then another short that they had in there was called Lunch Ladies. And I saw that oh. we had this on Canopy, actually. So Lunch Ladies is about two lunch ladies that decide that they are going to do whatever it takes and they will stop at nothing to become Johnny Depp's personal chef. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it's pretty good. I enjoyed that. There's mm. there's a lot of shorts in there. Some of them are obviously better than others, but those are my two like shining stars, I think. I really appreciate when someone can make a short film really impactful, mm-hmm. especially since it's a short film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes even... Like a feature length film doesn't get the point across sometimes. Mm-hmm. I uh, I went to the Horror Writers Association. I went to StokerCon this year um, in May, and they do a short. Uh, they call it Final Frame, uh, short film contest, and it was undoubtedly, I think, probably the favorite of many people in attendance there. Um, and the talent that come that came through on that was astounding and what you can do with a short amount of time and not a lot of resources. It's really inspiring. So I think it's interesting because you see in a horror, in the horror genre that the fans are willing to go out and make basically a homemade film Mm -hmm. with their homemade blood. And, you know, it doesn't have to be good. It can be cheesy. And that's something that is almost kind of like a rite of passage, I think for a lot of horror fans. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that with another genre. Like, mm-hmm. I maybe science fiction a little bit. Yeah. But I think those two are kind of intrinsically tied together. Yes. Um, but, like, I don't ever hear somebody like, oh, I just wrote a love story this weekend and shot it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I just watched Schindler's List. Let's, let's go in the backyard. <laughs> let's do some depraved World War II thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess comedy they do, but that just gets put on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, that makes me think of Spree. I really loved that film as well. I think Joe Keery did a phenomenal job. I think yes, another favorite like subgenre of mine is when people can focus on the negatives of social media and how it can make people do yeah. horrible things. Yes. Mm-hmm. I watched that and I texted her and I said, have you seen this? And she was like, yes. And I was like, why did you not tell me that this film existed? It was so good. I loved it. Um, she didn't share my opinion on Fresh, but I also loved Fresh um, in, in a very similar way. But I didn't hate it. This was my favorite. <laughs> I love Sebastian Stan, so I thought he did a great job in that film. But yeah, Keisha and I, one of the great things about our friendship is we, we don't always agree. And so <laughs> we like we like to talk about how we don't agree sometimes. Yes. So it's, it's fun that way. It, it definitely is fun because I like hearing opposite opposing opinions because mm-hmm. if everyone I talked to was like, I love this film. <laughs> right. Oh, me too. Then maybe I wouldn't see a film from a different perspective. Because maybe I didn't see it the way I should have or mm-hmm. I missed something. So. It feels good when we mutually hate something, though. <laughs> Scream five. Scream five. <laughs> there is no stronger glue in friendships than, like, both of hate. you hating something. Yep. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, something about, um, oh, are you looking forward to the Hellraiser remake? Coming yes. Out? yes. Mm-hmm. Jamie Clayton, I think, is going to be amazing in that role. What they've shown so far of it looks mm-hmm. so great. So I think everybody has like a different like niche genre that they like the most. So what are you guys' opinions? What's your favorite niche genre? Not typically a genre. Like if you look up like catalogs and movies, but I like movies where um, horror movies where the protagonists are facing some type of indescribable incoherent force. And they're like having to guess what the rules are. Like for example, a um, couple movies I watched that kind of fall under this uh, Oculus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With a mirror, and mm-hmm. then there was grave encounters, mm-hmm. where it's just like all these yeah. like unexplainable things are happening to them, mm-hmm. and it's kind of out of their power. There's nothing in their control. So, like Lovecraftian, kind of. I I guess, um, or maybe cosmic. Cosmic horror, I think, mm-hmm. would probably be like better mm-hmm. uh, fit for that. You so, know? were you a fan of Mandy then? Mm-hmm. I have not watched Mandy. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh-huh. I know. There's like I, I have a list. That actually, you know, I have a list of things that I uh, need to watch if I want to continue calling myself a horror fan, and that is getting added to the list right now. Is that the title of the list too? I love that. Oh, things I still need to watch, but I need to update the title now. Um, so, actually, yeah. Are there um, what other genres do you guys like within horror? It's hard for me to pick because. I love everything for the most part, but I really have, and I guess it wouldn't really be like a subgenre, just decade. I really love films from the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, one Dark Night is one of my favorites with Meg Tilly. Anything, I guess, with rude teen girls <laughs> and picking on <laughs> the the innocent like dorkier main lead and mm-hmm. them overcoming things so like Carrie or uh, let's scare Jessica to death is another good one. Mm-hmm. Not really in that title, but just underdog females overcoming stuff is something I really like, but especially when it's seventies and eighties. I have a list uh, called lady vengeance. Oh yeah. That's oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. My favorite genre would definitely be what I'm doing my um, Halloween countdown list, which is religious and occult films. Um, I just think that historically speaking, there is so much truth in what some of these films uh, bring about that oftentimes doesn't get discussed in everyday life. Um, And so I think that's the great thing about horror genre is that it kind of lets you talk about or explore those more taboo things that aren't always accepted in other realms mm-hmm. of, of living. So yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I, um, I definitely agree with that. Cause there, I can't remember the name of the, uh, <clears throat> the film professor, but someone said like how, um, you know, horror, um, is so tantalizing for a lot of people because it allows catharsis yes. without like really paying like a, 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 a real world price yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my favorite subgenre would be easily folk horror. Mm-hmm. That's probably That's my favorite. Um, I watch a lot of it. Uh, the Witch is probably one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Such a great movie. Yeah. 
it's so hard to explain to somebody that's not into horror. Like, it's scary, but it's not. <laughs> um, but I do like that a lot. Um, I did a whole Halloween, because I do a movie marathon every Halloween. I did a whole Halloween marathon one last year about folk horror. Mm-hmm. So. If there was a horror fan that has never um, watched folk horror, what would be the number one that you would recommend? Um, it depends. If they <laughs> like a slow burn, then yes, I would recommend The Witch. Mm-hmm. If they don't like a slow burn, um, let's see here. Okay. If they don't like a slow burn, I'm going to recommend one of two. Witchfinder General or Blood on Satan's Claw. Mm-hmm. Blood on Satan's Claw is probably yeah. my favorite. Out of those two, but Witchfinder General is such a classic, like, main mm-hmm. staple. Yeah. Um, and if you get super into it and you want to go real nerdy with it, there is a 1922 black and white film called Haxon. Yes. Um, That's on yes. my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I didn't think that I would like it when I watched yeah. it because I'm usually not the type to enjoy silent films. Yeah. Um, but the cinematography that they yes. did, and even though it's black and white, they do have like colors overlaid. Mm-hmm. Um, so the technical aspect is very impressive yeah. as well. That's on my list this year, too. So, What is the last film that you watched that really shocked you? That made you, as a horror fan, feel uncomfortable, which I find is often hard to do. And I wonder if we're going to have the same answer because of what we most recently watched. I, I think you know. Okay. Um, well, I would say it was a movie called Relic. It came out mm-hmm. in 2020. Yes. Because um, it had the very obvious metaphor um and i won't reveal what it is but <laughs> it just really like it just really hit like a personal uh chord with me mm-hmm. and I, I i'll admit because i'm a manly man i was crying at the end <laughs> yeah. um because of what they uh how they wrapped up that story mm-hmm. and the themes they were really hammering home yeah um so yeah that that was the one like the last uh, the last one i can think of where i was just beyond like oh that was some cool gore or yeah. something like that yes I would say my most recent one um, is The Night House. Mm-hmm. Yes, I loved The Night House. Yeah, it was on my list good. last year. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to you wanna tell them? Yes. <laughs> so mine would be a film that is currently on HBO <laughs> that Trista recommended to me called We're All Going to World's Fair. Oh, I've heard that one. Yeah. It, I have not. It's, I, I was probably two minutes into it and I text her and I said, have you watched this yet? And she said, no. And I said, I'm already uncomfortable. Put it on your list. <laughs> so Then I was live texting her as I was watching it. There, I think it ties into the whole social media subgenre mm-hmm. that Absolutely. I like. And it's very real, very mm-hmm. relatable. If you were ever a tween or a teen that had a whole social life, on the internet and you were a social outcast and you had no one to talk to. It was very good and heart-wrenching, disturbing, and relatable. I, yeah. And it still sticks with me because yes. I still I still think about it. Um, just real quickly, since we're talking about HBO Max, I know this movie is uh, being removed tomorrow, 
So if you're listening to this now, all hope is lost. Let's get this the next like minute. But um, the Empty Man, which kind of got lost in the shuffle, yeah. like it came out right as the uh, we entered like um, uh, orange level like pandemic, mm-hmm. a lockdown. Uh, but like every, I see that on horror Twitter a lot. Like mm-hmm. people are just like, you have to watch this. Uh, it's one of the best horror movies in the last five years to kind of fall uh, between the cracks. Yeah, I'm adding. I can't believe I haven't heard of that before. You can't see it, but we're writing everything down. (laughs) Another film that made me really uncomfortable was called uh, We Need to Do Something. And so this movie is about a family Mm -hmm. that hides out in a base, or not a basement, excuse me, a bathroom Mm -hmm. for what's essentially a tornado. Yes. And they get stuck in there. In their seemingly huge bathroom, by the way, that the whole family can fit into. But either way... It's very unnerving. Like, I think without going into any, like, major spoilers, dad has issues with alcohol and, like, mm-hmm. that comes up in the film. Um, and that is one of those things that, like, like you said, it stuck with me. I still am thinking about it now. I'm like, oh, God, I hope that I never met anybody that, like, that happens to. Um, so, yeah. I loved it, too. I mm-hmm. watched that as well. Uh, I thought it was a great, great movie. Yeah, I turned it on with my boyfriend, and we did not think it was going to be, like, yeah. we thought it was going to be something we would, like, sh- throw on and then make dinner. And we, no, we were both like, oh, my gosh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so are there any horror movies, like, new or old, that you specifically, like, want to watch that you haven't gotten a chance to? Hmm. That's a good question. I know this is terrible of me as a horror fan but i have yet to see the fly (laughs) i would say that mine would be uh 1932's most dangerous game Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten around to watching that one yet Mm -hmm. but i like the whole like hunting people for sport not in real life um (laughs) (laughs) in like a scary movie the whole like hunting persons fun side story when we when i first got exposed to that story in middle school I thought they meant like game as in like, you know, not like things you hunt, but like an activity. And so I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not seeing like the gamifying of this uh, whole ordeal here. Like I'm a little confused. And then I realized, and then later on, I was like, oh, game is in your hunting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, uh, did you watch The Hunt? No, yes. I, well, yes, I did actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one was pretty good too, I thought. I need to rewatch it because I watched it during the pandemic at the drive-in, mm-hmm. but it was raining. Oh, no. Oh. So I kind of half heard the film, mm-hmm. but also just heavy raindrops the whole time. So I caught every other word. Mm-hmm. But from what I saw, I liked it. <laughs> Are any of you into Asian horror? I like some of it, yeah. I can't say that I know a lot about it, but I've seen a few, um, please correct my pronunciation, um, I think it's Takashi Miike. Mm-hmm. I've watched a few of their films, and I've liked them. I think it is, I don't know if it'd be categorized as a subgenre since it's a whole <laughs> part of the world, but um, I think it gets slept on a lot, and mm-hmm. it's so different from western films because they um, focus a lot on mythology Mm -hmm. and 
they're really big into ghosts. There's so, I mean, just in Japan alone, there's so many different types of ghosts, which actually for one of our fright clubs, we showed Juwan and we talked about all sorts of different ghosts that this was based off of. And they're really big into vengeance. And I think there's just something about Asian horror films that captures the atmosphere in I feel like for the most part in Western films, they focus a lot on having slow building orchestra music to let you know something is about to happen and jump scares and shock horror, for instance, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And just I bet when that came out in the 70s, it was wild for everyone to see. (laughs) And I know Western films like to base things off of true stories or more realistic things like our slashers, but there's just something about Asian horror. And we have a lot on canopy actually. Yeah, there we do. Mm-hmm. So many. And I do appreciate a good remake. So I mentioned earlier the ring, but there's just something that cannot be replicated because American directors oh, yeah. have their own spin. Yeah. But the original Sadako scared me. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think that one main difference between Asian horror and Western horror is that Asian horror tends to be more psychological, mm-hmm. whereas Western horror is more physical. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So in a, in a Western movie, yeah, like you said, with Texas Chainsaw, you're going to see blood, guts, and gore everywhere, and there's going to be you know blood spraying on the wall and everything. Whereas when you watch a more Asian film, um, you're going to find more of like, oh, no, they just put needles under their fingernails. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's still, you know, gory, but not – it's way more psychological. Unless you watch – what was it? Um, Machine Gun Girl? Like, that's when they're like, oh, like, hey – so we've got like 500,000 to shoot this and we need to spend 495,000 of that on blood. <laughs> um, but, um, I was trying to like, I'm thinking like recently with, uh, some like the bigger hits, like a uh, parasite, which does have some horror elements mm-hmm. in it, and then, uh, squid game, like you've got like uh, a lot more people interested in, uh, Asian cinema yeah. and Asian horror. Recently, too. I think streaming did a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do remember, I'm going to age myself here, like on dial-up internet, in that era, like, you couldn't get a lot of foreign films. If you did, it almost had to be, like, Criterion Collection from Barnes & Noble kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Um, And so I think streaming has made a big impact on that, especially Netflix. Yeah. Um, I can't really praise a whole lot on Netflix right now personally, but I will say that <laughs> they did um, they did do that for the foreign film genre, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I actually going back to the first time I was exposed to Asian horror, it was back in the day when cable was everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I went to the on-demand film options and there were a bunch of free ones. And I think the first one I watched was one missed call and i was addicted after that and another thing i really like about asian horror is that granted i do love my western horror but they make you sit and be uncomfortable 
because they build the atmosphere and it's quiet, whereas you don't get loud sounds or like a random cat jumping through a window and like yelling at the person that opens like a closet door or something. Mm-hmm. But I just I really appreciate that. And I will give some recommendations since you said you like uh, folk horror. Mm-hmm. A Tale of Two Sisters is actually a Korean film and it is based off of And I'm going to say the translation because I will not butcher the Korean language, but (laughs) uh, Rose Flower and Red Lotus. Um, And it's about these sisters that were, their names translate to that. Mm -hmm. And the whole film is about the sister comes back home to reunite with her sister and their dad is remarried and their stepmother is just not nice. And then other creepy things happen and the folklore is very loosely based on that, but it's just really cool to see what they do with things. There's also, and I'm not sure where this is available, but a Korean adaptation of Hansel and Gretel. And mm. it was like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Speaking visually. of Hansel and Gretel, did you ever see Gretel and Hansel? Yes. Greta and Hansel? Yes. I did not pronounce that correctly. But yeah, that was a great film. I loved it. I was skeptical until I'm like, oh, what are they going to do with this? And then I was blown away. I am a big fan, obviously, of folklore and, you know, mythology in general. I think I've talked about that enough. Um, but one thing that I really liked about it was that even though we're getting a lot of like hor- like modern remakes of fairy tales where Cinderella is empowered, um, those are great stories to have. But I never thought about Hansel and Gretel as like being a feminist story. Um, so having that turned on its head for me was actually genuinely kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Do you all read horror as well I as do, watch yes. it? Okay. Um, what was the last horror book that you read that you really enjoyed? Oh. Um, so I've got one. Okay. Um, I, I'm starting to get into his books, but Stephen Graham Jones. <gasps> That's so funny. <laughs> um, I read um, Mongrel. Mm. That was good. It was his yeah. own take on like the werewolf yeah. uh, mythology. And uh, I haven't cracked open yet, but I've got a copy of Only Good Indians. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that one. This is a good segue to uh, brag a little bit. Um, I also love Stephen Graham Jones. And my pick would be My Heart is a Chainsaw. Uh, which will actually be a trilogy. Uh, so that was the first one in the trilogy. Um, and one of the highlights of the Horror Writer Association StokerCon for me was being in an elevator with Stephen Graham Jones. Oh. So the cool thing about going to that is that a lot of these people you don't recognize because they're writers. They're not on fi- they're not on camera. They're not on film. Um, so you would be in these spaces with these really amazing creatives and not know who they were. Um, I knew who he was, but um, so we were in an elevator together, and I got the opportunity to just say, "Hey, I, I that book was my favorite book so far this year. I loved it." And he was very nice. He said, "I hope you enjoy the the next one." I listened to the audiobook actually, and we talked a little bit about the narration on it, and he was really awesome. So that was like the highlight of my year. So, oh, so cool. that's pretty cool. Yeah. The last one that I finished. Um, and I think I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, is the final girl support group yes. with Grady, mm-hmm. Grady, 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 Grady Hendrix. Hendrix. I'm really excited for Love his them. new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. And then before that, I read a YA book called All These Bodies mm-hmm. by Kendare Blake. And that mm-hmm. one was pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, it's about a young girl who just 
shows up like covered in blood. Yeah. But there's no blood in the crime scene other than that. Interesting. And they're trying to figure out why 16 people across multiple states have died yeah. and how she's connected to them all. Oh, wow, that sounds great. I think YA is really coming with some good horror. Um, I've read a few things uh, in YA that I thought were really great. Um, did you know that they are making a show of My Best Friend's Exorcism? Yes, I didn't. I was going to yes. say that is the last. I reread it. Yeah. Coming yeah. out like soon. Soon, yeah. yeah, yeah. On yeah. Amazon. Yep. Yeah. Amazon Prime. So. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Now we need them, though, to make Southern Book Club's Guide to Slain Vampires. <laughs> that was my least favorite of his, actually. Really? Yeah. It was okay. not hard for me to get through that one, actually. And I'm usually a big, a big fan of his, but that one was so hard for me for whatever reason. I have no that idea. That was but... his first one that I read and mm. actually is the one that got me hooked on him. Yeah. Because when I started reading it, I thought to myself, like, this might be fun, but there's no way I'm going to identify with 80s stay-at-home housewives yeah. mm-hmm. and somehow i did somehow i'm nothing did. like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I, I enjoyed that because it's yeah. rare that you find a character that that's different yes that is that different from you that you would you feel like you can identify with much less like it's written by a man right like that was impressive yes. yeah he was at StokerCon as well, but I was way too scared to go up and introduce myself. <laughs> I, I drew the line. I was like, I can't do it. Uh, but he's a, I really love his stuff. So. What do you think is the best uh, movie that was a book? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing in a doozy. I thought about that question, too. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, do we have to have read the book? Because I, I have a pick, but I haven't read the book. I only just love the movie. I don't think so. Okay. We make our own rules. Um, yeah, exactly. One of my favorite movies ever, one of my favorite comfort movies is Stir of Echoes. Um, I love that movie. I mm-hmm. watched it a million times. Um, I've never read the book, but I probably should. <laughs> um, oh, I just thought one. Um, I haven't read the original short story, but uh, Hellraiser. Uh, yes. Based on the short story, yeah. uh, The Hellbound Heart. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am stuck between, and I know Silence of the Lambs is like, Horror or thriller, but I'm going to throw that in here. I really loved Silence of the Lambs, and I'm stuck between that and The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Psycho yeah. by Robert Block. Yeah. That was a good book and movie. Yeah. I've been to read that one. It's actually pretty short, so. I just really, like, I, I read The Exorcist, like, a, I think, what, five years ago, and the part that really stuck out with me um, because it was so mind-numbingly boring on purpose when um, the uh, the priest, I forgot his name, um, the one who has, like, the psychology degree, like, he's basically trying to, like, science the crud out of, like, her conditions, and he's going through every single, like, possible element it could be. And it's you're basically you're like, oh, he tricked me to reading a science textbook for, like, 25 <laughs> pages. Cool. Um <laughs> But it, but then, like, after that, I'm like, wow, like, he really, like, in 1968 or 9 when he wrote this, like, he did all this research to have this, like, really, like, um, accurate, like, scientific breakdown of what this could be in the realm of, like, reality. Did you know David Gordon Green is making The Exorcist? I did. I forgot. Now I remember. Thank there you. you. <laughs> Another good example is uh, I Am Legend by Robert mm-hmm. Neville. Oh, yeah. Although I will say I hated the Will Smith ending. Yeah. 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 I'm, with you there. I'm with you there. I know it's not Will Smith's choice. He didn't write <laughs> that. But 
Um, yeah. I, I didn't like how they changed his character because they basically took him from, cause there's a certain type of horror and you see it in other genres too, but I think it's really noticeable in horror where when you're watching the film, none of the people are good people. Like mm-hmm. nobody's a good mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that they took the main character and whitewashed him and made him a good guy when he never really was supposed to mm-hmm. be. But like that's Will Smith. Like he's you can't like Will Smith Will doesn't Smith have the, everything. Yeah, no, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even act. He just he's like puts on a costume. He's like, well, I'm Will Smith hunting zombies well, he, today. Well, he he can. He's like he's like Adam Sandler. Like when he decides to, he can act. But he's just like, man, I'm more comfortable over here. Like, um, that's what you're gonna get me going off on a rant about. I can't handle Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did great work in Concussion. I will say that. <laughs> I'm going to circle us back a little bit because um, <laughs> about uh, things you still need to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have a few here I actually wrote before the podcast. Um, Cube, mm-hmm. which I, you know, which is one of those call classic ones. Yeah. Fire in the Sky, which mm-hmm. I heard has like one of the most terrifying sequences. Oh, like oh. from, you it's, know, like early 90s. Have you seen it's it? It's pretty good, yes. And Write we... That on your if I remember correctly, we do have that here at Central because I specifically yeah. personally requested it a few years ago. Good cool. job. Good All job. Right. <laughs> um, and then I was going to, so I'm going to kick off to a little story because we've mentioned the ring a couple times. Um, I, so I didn't get a chance. Well, I didn't want to watch the ring for like 20 plus years because when I first tried to watch it, I was um, like, 17 i was a summer camp counselor and on the last night of camp when the kids go to bed we all gather in the main kitchen cabin and we watch like some movies so one of the movies we had was the ring before that we watched um another teen movie which you know that's perfect pairing right there um like red wine and uh, salmon while you're um, at a random camp with like no adults say, yeah. which is also the setting of many horror movies <laughs> So we get through that one and then, um, we start watching the ring and like five minutes into it, um, one of the girl campers starts frantically being on the door and, um, she's like, uh, oh my gosh, someone's here, someone's here. And we're like, okay, well, you're probably having a nightmare. We go over there and, um, we go to the cabin and lo and behold, there's like three strange men, um, just in these, uh, women, these, uh, girls cabins and, uh, we chase them off as they like are seriously like laughing to themselves into the woods. So we called the cops and the whole night we had to stand guard at these cabins because these guys were just circling around and we would hear them like from opposite ends of the forest being like, ah, we're still here. You're not going to catch us (laughs) like until five o'clock in the morning. Um, so then I was like, hmm, probably shouldn't watch ring (laughs) probably a sign. And, uh, and then I finally watched it this year and it was, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a setup to a horror movie all on its own. Like, well, that was the thing. I'm like, well, like, uh, horror media just doesn't do it (laughs) for me anymore. I need the real deal. Speaking of the real deal, how do we feel about haunted houses? I love them. I love them. I worked at one for three years, actually. Yeah, I worked at the, um, volunteered rather at Zombie Farm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was. When I tell you the thrill that you get from making people scream, <laughs> as a horror, maybe I would say it's just me, but I don't think it is. I think it goes hand in hand with um, 
with being a horror fan, it was one of the greatest joys of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Probably it, why they should do background checks for like, yeah, those exactly. actors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have let me do that. But yes, it was. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard work, actually. Oh, um, I can imagine. You know, and oh, yeah. you, you you have more skeptics than you do mm-hmm. uh, people who are uh, ready to be scared. And so it's it can be hard to. Teens are the worst. Yeah. Uh, I have a teen son, so I feel like I can say that. They are <laughs> they are the worst to try to, uh, you know, because they're too cool to be scared. Yeah. But they're also my favorite. So I feel like I am like the perfect mark for a haunted house mm-hmm. because I scare real easily yeah. and I will immediately run. Yes. <laughs> and we can spot you from a mile away. Mm-hmm. I remember the first haunted house I had ever gone to was at the Waverly Hill Sanitarium. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous because I love horror movies, but I was like, do I like this in real life? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I was with my friend and her mom at the time, and uh, they they pushed me first. I was first in line, and it's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And it was underwhelming. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I really wanted to like it. Um, it was a really cool structure. Yeah. But it wasn't anything scary and like at one point they have this ball that they say oh it's a little boy ghost playing with the ball like no you literally built a wind tunnel it's just wind <laughs> yeah <laughs> You're, you gotta turn off your brain yeah. for those experiences and they were they were doing a um haunted house and then like a tour i couldn't make it for the tour so there was like an inflatable dinosaur at the end of it. That's it? That's the finale? Okay. Just kind of sauntered off. Yeah, I think the creepiest part for me was the underground, uh, like, trail where they would mm-hmm. essentially use it to take dead bodies from the hospital to, like, the crematorium yeah. or the cemetery. Oh, the by shoot? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, for me, the creepiest part. But it wasn't because millions, well, not millions, hundreds of dead bodies had been through there. It was because it, this is so dark. I can't see yeah. anything. What if you trip on something? Yes. Uh, we went on the tour last year, and uh, they didn't have, they haven't had a haunted house there, I think, for mm-hmm. like a couple years. Yeah. But um, we were going through, and like the last part they take us through, which if you haven't done like um, one of the tours at Waverly Hills, like there's like most of the tour, like there's no light. Yeah. They don't have like any lights on or anything or like even the tour guide doesn't have a flashlight. Yeah. You just kind of follow their voice. And, um, there's this, the last part you go through this really long tunnel and, uh, a lot of people were like, we're getting freaked out because you're like there for like two minutes, which feels like forever in just pure darkness. So some people were kind of like quickly like turning on their home screens. <laughs> and, uh, it turns out that was the part that they had painted for mm. the haunted house. So I turned on my screen. There's a giant evil clown on the wall <laughs> right to my left. I'm like, huh, I think darkness is better right now. <laughs> I think that some of these haunted houses like Waverly or the catacombs play into the lure that already exists around the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. to, and rely on that a little bit to, to put you into that mentality um one thing that's really interesting about the zombie farm is a lot of their actors and actresses um are kids it's volunteers from sixth grade to 12th grade and um i don't know if you all agree but kids are creepy and yes 100 <laughs> percent. so uh, Absolutely. i think they make it and they love doing it and mm. they have passion in doing it and i think that 
that matters a lot. So yes, I am shamelessly plugging the Newburgh Zombie Farm. Please go out and visit them. <laughs> I like that they also have like kid friendly versions. Yes, yeah, the no yeah. scare tours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we we uh, had quite a few people that would come out for that, yeah. and they like it, and it helps them. I I think you know, and then when they get old enough, they're like, oh, well, I've been here. It's okay. It's not so mm-hmm. bad. So. There's a lot that goes into it uh, to do those things, too. I, I can speak for them. It's all volunteer-based. Um, um, all of the money is uh, it's not-for-profit. So um, they have people that work on that year-round. From the time it stops, they're now building the next set for the next year. Um, and it is um, a production of love. And so they do nice. they, they put their all into it. And they do a great job. A few years ago, I took my nephew to his first haunted house, and it wasn't like a full-blown haunted house, because mm-hmm. he was, you know, like five, and I didn't want to traumatize him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I took him to a haunted house that somebody had essentially just built in their backyard. Cool. Um, and they would let you in if you donated food, and mm-hmm. they would take the food to the um, wherever needed them. And that was really fun. Uh because they knew he was little mm-hmm. and they knew it was his first one because I yeah. told him. So they let us just walk around yeah. and look at everything yeah. without anybody jumping out and scaring him or anything. And I think that really helps because he's now very slowly getting oh. into horror. He wants to so bad, yeah. but he gets so scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My birthday is a week after Halloween and one of my best memories growing up was my mom for my birthday threw me a Halloween party and she turned our basement into one of those like makeshift haunted houses mm-hmm. where you like stuck your hand in the bowl and tried to guess what what, yes. what the what the grapes and all that and that's still to this day one of my favorite mm-hmm. favorite memories so that, that it sticks with you yeah I have one final question for everyone to kind of uh, lead us out unless you guys want have anything else to add um, what is the earliest memory you have of being scared by like a movie or a show or some type of media. For me, it wasn't even watching anything back in the day. I My dad would watch X-Files a lot, and I would hear oh. the theme song, and I would be so terrified just by that theme song. So I, I feel like that alone is it for me. Um, I was actually on my mom's lap watching the Nightmare on Elm Street where the pizza, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the pizza scene where his head is meatballs and they jump out at you. Oh, they actually have really dream cool. Child? Yes. Yeah. They have really. Uh, or is it, uh, no, um, uh, Dream Master. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Fourth one. Yeah. Yes. The fourth one. Um, I was far too young. I want to say probably between four and six, um, but terrified me so much but also i think that was my first like love of it that that i loved to be scared like you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier like just feeling that horror in your everyday life is so much of being a horror fan and i remember feeling that at a young age and my mom is super into horror too and so just having that uh path with her is cool that's very cool so my first time experiencing like fear from a tv show or a movie is actually not a horror movie at all um it was disney's pinocchio (laughs) (laughs) i very i very much so remember it was the scene where they're all turned into donkeys scared Mm. the scared me so much when i was a child um but (laughs) the first thing that i remember that was actual horror that scared me is uh like coming back to what you said earlier blair witch project Mm -hmm. i absolutely thought that was 100 percent real yeah oh Mm. yes yeah that was I remember yeah. that when that mm-hmm. came out. Because mm-hmm. it was beginning of the internet mm-hmm. before everybody had internet in their home, yeah. but it was mm-hmm. common enough. Yeah. So if you went to the website or whatever, it acted like it was real. Yeah. 
So yes. there was no reason to believe it wasn't at that time. And they yeah. re- even released that documentary, yes. mm-hmm. quote, air quotes, um, yeah. about like the missing campers. And, yeah. yeah. And it had, I, if I remember correctly, there was a note at the beginning of the film, like this is based off of true stories yes. or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you want like a fun read, like I think Slate did an article on this a few years ago. They interviewed everyone who was involved in making the movie, like mm-hmm. the actors and directors. And uh, it's a really like... Um, fun read when you realize oh like no one was really like uh, it makes you like admire the actors more because like they were just like yeah it was just a job and they weren't in like any serious danger and the funniest part about it was like during one of the night attacks um the originally the you were going to see the blair witch which was Mm -hmm. some guy dressed up in white pantyhose but (laughs) they didn't they didn't um because it was just a frantic shoot like they didn't capture it on film and i'm like thank goodness yeah (laughs) that would have killed it um so i'm kind of with you mine was non-horror um lou fregno's incredible hulk terrified me as a child (laughs) i cried a lot every time i parents would well he popped up on a commercial one time we weren't expecting and uh oh man i was traumatized (laughs) i gotta say i get it though yeah Yeah, Yeah. now that i'm thinking about it there is a movie that also sticks with me and it's the mini series of it Mm. and specifically when eddie spaghetti is in the um boys locker room And he comes out of the drain. I refuse to take a shower for like the longest time. <laughs> and I would put like a, a cup over the drain as if that would stop a clown from getting me. Well, and he doesn't like, he doesn't like rip the hole apart. It's like he bends reality. And yeah. I think that's yeah. what really yes. stuck with me. And yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, oh gosh, like it's like my brain can't fathom what I'm yes. seeing right now. Yeah. I also have to note. Um, I also saw at around the same time uh, Genesis Land of Confusion video, which if nobody has ever seen that to this day is still absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I just watched it not that long ago just to remind myself that it was indeed uh, it's like puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but it is it is <laughs> I mean the creepiest. I I just want to know what they were doing when they made that like what just if you haven't watched it, please do. There, it's yeah. a good. It's a good four minutes of your time. I promise. <laughs> there was a film, or I guess it still exists. There is a film that I watched um, back when Netflix still mailed you DVDs, yes. and I'm pretty sure it's just called Alice. Mm. I don't know exactly. I think it was a Russian film mm-hmm. of Alice in Wonderland, oh. where they use stop motion animation. Ooh. Oh with like claymation oh. and stuff and at one point they use like it what looks like actual roadkill for mm. like the rabbit it was so <laughs> oh. disturbing yes <laughs> there's something about like that puppet like the, i just it it's weird it's the uncanny valley yeah. it's close yeah. enough to human yeah. for you to recognize yes. that it should be acting human yeah. but it doesn't did you see willie's wonderland Yes, yes, I did. I loved it. That film made me uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I am a huge Nick Cage fan, yeah. which um, I feel like I haven't actually mentioned him this whole yeah. episode. So we'll let put me... one down on the chart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There we go. There's our mandatory reference. Yeah. Um, Pig with Nick Cage. Anybody else see that? I haven't. I've heard great things. I'm not though. ready to like cry, so I like that hard. <laughs> so I haven't watched it yet. It's not as John Wick as everybody says it is. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I heard some very like. Um, 
emotionally evocative yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's cool about Willy's Wonderland, though, is that he doesn't speak the entire film. Yes, he, I loved that. And I think that was interesting for an actor of his caliber to not have a single speaking mm-hmm. word. I think it actually sold his character more for Absolutely. me. Yeah. And I like that this is something that I have noticed and I've actually read or heard about him talking about in interviews. Um, when he plays pinball in mm-hmm. that movie, how he's like starts dancing around uh-huh. because he thinks that like dancing or singing whenever you're doing day to day things is a very human thing. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people do that. You know, we make up songs for our cats yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, I know I'm not the only one. So <laughs> he, he adds that in a lot. To make his characters more human. So when he is just playing pinball and dancing mm-hmm. around when he gets like a high score, like yeah. that's, that's fun. Yeah. I enjoy that. I love that. I just really hope now that he's paid off all of his like tax debt that he still does these weird indie movies. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's well, like, really, I think if anything more, he'll be able to now yeah. because he doesn't have to take whatever just for money. Yeah. No, I want him to take whatever. Like <laughs> yes. don't even read the script. Yes. That's how we get yeah. like so many like memeified like. Yeah. Nicholas Cage stuff in the last yeah. several okay, years. Okay, but have you watched Jiu-Jitsu? No. It was awful. <laughs> well, but that, but isn't that like everyone's regular Hollywood career? Like they, you know, you get like a couple good ones. You have the stinkers in there too. I guess. He had a string of stinkers though, I gotta say. Yeah. But then we also have Mandy, which I heard was good. Pig. Yeah. Um, others. I just mom don't think and dad. Mom, yeah, oh, mom, mom and dad. dad. Yes. I don't think anybody saw him coming as the, as the underdog of horror in no. the last... No however many years and he's he's an alien so. mm-hmm. yeah which i mean honestly if you are a nick cage fan i should just do a nick cage episode you I? should um, <laughs> i mean it's inevitable. they did a nick point. cage display at west actually and it was the most su- successful display to date nice did you do that too or are you trying no, or? my most successful to date display was men who lost their shirts <laughs> <laughs> It was a romance book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that the fact that he, like, if you've seen The Last Vampire with Mm -hmm. Nick Cage, it shouldn't really be a surprise that he's into horror, especially because he does say, even in uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and in actual interviews, how much he loves uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Yeah. so it shouldn't come as a surprise, but I do yeah. get it. And I, it kind of caught me off guard even yeah. as a fan. Yeah. He's being buried in New Orleans. He's already bought his grave, mm-hmm. actually. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. And he bought like a haunted like mansion. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then he had point. to immediately yeah. sell it <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Oh, man. Look up like the weird things he's bought in the last yeah. like three years. He had like twin co- cobras at one point. Yeah. And- he had a dinosaur skeleton that he had to give back to china because he didn't realize it was stolen i think <laughs> uh, maybe correct me if i'm wrong on that one because but there was something fishy about it and he had to give it back um he had his first edition uh detective comics stolen and then yeah. got it back years later yeah i think he would just be fun to hang out with yeah absolutely, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. he's going off the deep end though i'm not gonna lie <laughs> he's got that new like baby that he's got and he married a like young japanese woman and now his hair is like ronald mcdonald red and like nick what are you doing <laughs> living <laughs> his best life <laughs> the thing is he also fairly recently within the last couple of years had one of those like whirlwind 24-hour marriages that oh <laughs> Like, go to Vegas, get married, then get it an old the next day kind of thing. Um, so, maybe he's struggling. But all this leads to, you should go watch Vampire's Kiss. Just incredible performance. Oh, yes. Absolutely. One um, of my favorites. So, um, 
All right. So is there anything else you guys want to add after, you know, we had to do our Nicolas Cage plug? <laughs> there always needs to be a Nicolas Cage There plug. always does. Yeah. Yes. He's had a very tumultuous career. I can't think of anything without bringing us to like hour five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We could do this all day. Yeah, I could. I know. Sadly, we have to go away because uh, we don't want you know our listeners to be listening to a three hour podcast. We're not Joe Rogan. So, um, so I guess on that note, uh, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah. And um, thank you both of you uh, for taking some here. time out mm-hmm. to kind of hang with us and really talk about fun horror stuff. Yeah. And Lori, as always, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, well, about time so much. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. <laughs> so if you have any feedback for us, if you have any suggestions, comments, anything like that, you can email us at podcast at evpl.org, or you can reach out to us on social media. And we hope you have a great day. Right, thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.